and welcome. It is time for Less Than Jays. Boy, uh, Blue Jays podcast mainly. I mean, although, you know, I got some, we got some, I don't know, we, I got some very nice words from a few folks last week about my story about going insane last week about how I oh, that's came good. on here in the first half of this show and I was like, I'm insane now. And you were like, mm, really? And then I explained it to you and you were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone nuts. Um, so people said some really nice stuff, which is good because I often worry, Jake, that off the top of the show, you know, maybe we've duped somebody by the thumbnail or the description of the episode or a passing follow that they're going to come in here and we're going to go right to the Blue Jays. Um, and then they get me like, you know, for talking about having a baby for 10 minutes or they get you talking about um, what in the fuck were you even watching last week? Sex on the beach? I think you were... X on the beach. X on the beach. Uh, and I realized that, um, you know, that's just who we are. And that's the type of show that you're going to get from us. Uh, and some folks reached out and were like, no, that's great. You're very relatable. They said very relatable to me. Nobody, literally nobody wrote in and said that they had heard of the show you were watching. <laughs> well, I can't imagine why anyone would. I don't know. I don't even know how you heard about it. I guess Sean, you said. Sean, yeah. I don't want to trace that much further than... I don't, like, I don't want to know where Sean and Die found it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, that being said, uh, it is a Blue Jays podcast, and the Blue Jays um, had a losing week. It finally happened. They lost two series last week against the Yankees and the Guardians. So we have some Blue Jay-ish stuff to talk about. Um, you know, we talked two weeks ago about how they aren't playing very well, but they're winning games. So that's still good. And now, finally, they're not winning games while not playing well. So that's... That's pretty cool to finally see those two things um, meet in the middle. No real cause for concern for me, but we will get into it a little bit deeper uh, in just a moment or two. Jake, first of all, off the top, how are you today? Fine. I mean, you know, it's Monday. It sure uh, is. Had a relatively productive day, which is nice. Uh, yeah. I'm now, good. like work productive or like life, like you work, feel oh, that work. there are meaningful work. changes around you? Work, work completely. Mm. Uh, life is basically the same as uh, as ever. Good work but, or bad uh, work? Fine work. Just did the work I wanted to do today. Okay. That's all. That's good work. Uh, yeah. I want to have a productive Mondays. I feel like Mondays have been sort of... Been having a case of the Mondays lately. Bit of a go-getter you, eh? No, not at all. <laughs> well, you went and got today, it sounds like. I went and got today, sure. But, yeah, uh, yeah no. Well, I'm fine. You know, it's uh, getting nice outside. My wife uh, took care of the front yard while I was hungover and lying on the couch uh, Yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, the yard looks great. She's uh, she's a real yard dad. Now yeah, because, like, I know... She's going outside to look at it right now. Jake, I do this thing, right? I come in here, I can play a little coy when I host the show and sort of open the door for you to let us into your life as much as you want to. But I know what you did all week. I know that you went to four concerts in four days. Yeah, my legs are also very tired. Got to be tough. Got to be tough to go you know, out there here, and see the same band yeah. four times in a row. Here's the thing. When I was uh-huh. yeah, when I was younger, this is the third time now that this band has done four shows in a row in Toronto. I do like the uh, way that you sort of try to not... You don't want to, like, dox them. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. It's a hold steady. Whatever. I, you listen to a baseball podcast hosted by two white guys in their 30s. It's going to be one of, like, sp- it's one of, like, four <laughs> bands. You speak in this, like, you don't want to name them way. That, of, so, so as to not offend any of the bands you didn't see last week. I, I don't think. want anybody knowing my life. 
It's my business. <laughs> so what's Jacob? <laughs> sort of exactly what I'm trying to get in <laughs> this first section of the podcast. Anyway, but go on. Um, yeah, so this is the third time that the old study have done four shows in Toronto. The first time was in 2014. Mm-hmm. They did it in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then they were supposed to do this in 2020, but then the world ended. Yep. So it was postponed until now. But it's a nice symmetry for it to be every four years. It is, but... The World Cup. It was uh, it was much easier to do uh, eight years ago. Yeah. Than it was this time. So I, you're, uh, you're saying you you found in your in your early twenties you had more energy than you do in your early thirties. Yeah, not only more energy, but more like, <laughs> you know what? It's not so much energy; it's motivation to do things. Like, I don't get me wrong; I had a fantastic time mm-hmm. this week. I had a great time. The shows were great. Hung out with fun people. Drank a lot, sang along. It was a really good time. But like by show two okay. of four, I was like, oh, I have to go out again tonight. See, now you almost say that as if you have a uh, responsibility to somebody other than yourself to go and do that. You know? Well, I mean, I paid money for the tickets. Yes. Still, that's still you, though, right? And I want you... to, and I want to, and I want to go. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, ugh, I have to go do this awful thing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, I was on the couch and I was like, oof. For sure. I get up and go to a concert. And then, of course, once I'm there and it gets going, I'm having a great time. Um, All this to say that uh, I had a wonderful time, but I was really happy last night to not have to do anything. So now, listen, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not I feel really like you're the wrong person also to be, uh, in this conversation, in some ways, I'm the per- in some ways I'm the perfect person to have this conversation because you can explain it to me. Um, if you can explain it to me, you can explain it to anybody, basically, right? I mean, listen, I've been to concerts before. I didn't I didn't never go to concerts. I stopped going at thirty. It's not like I zero. Sure, sure, sure. Like career ticker isn't at zero. But um, I've definitely never loved a band enough to go see them four times in four days. I don't think I've loved a band enough to go see them twice in one year um, without an album in between. Yeah. Without, Something in between me being like, I have to see this change. So what is it about um, either the band or the music or the live experience or the venue or whatever it is? What is it about the whole city that, first of all, that they're able to play four shows in four days? Doesn't seem like a normal thing that I hear about a lot of bands doing. And that you as a fan, and I think uh, a couple of my other friends with you um, or also going to multiple of the shows. What is it about them as a band that sort of allows that to be not only a possibility, but like a, um, I want to use the word destination, but not sort of, not the word destination, but like a quasi thing to aspire to. Well, first of all, it's the only way they tour anymore. Huh. They have, because they're older men. Sure. Have stopped, they've stopped doing normal tours. So they just do four nights in different cities a couple times a year. So it's the only way to see them for like four years. Mm. And two, I mean, two, they're my favorite band. Right, of course. So there's like an additional sort of uh, push to go. And they're just like a very communal, fun, live experience that is all about and encouraged uh, to be like drinking with friends and singing along. I like is that. the point. And, you know, I have definitely had the thought while around the last few days of, like, if they come here again for four nights, 
would I do all four again? And like yeah. in those tired moments, because like if we if they stick to the pattern, I'll be like thirty eight the next time. And like I'd like to say no, that I'd be like I'll go to one or two. Sure, but like I know I know that's not true. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. I know like, I'm, I'm 36. I don't want to go to one rock show. Four rock <laughs> right. shows seems. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, another gr- another week. A lot of people were at my house this week. Oh my god, so many people came to my house. Talk about people. Talk about being a group of people. A lot of people <laughs> came to my house this week. A lot of people. I think there were 17 people that came to my house at one point this weekend. That's a lot of people. Bananas. It was bananas. Was it a good? Was it a good uh, seven people at your house, or a I'm so tired, please leave? It's just a lot of people. It was nice to yeah. see everybody, but it's a lot of people. Um, and we're officially listen. We're officially at uh, a point where I've I've had some things that I've heard enough and don't want to hear anymore. That's pretty cool too. A nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a different tonal shift, I think, week four from week three. You remember last week? I was like, I'm really desperate, and I'm sort of like clinging to my sanity uh, a little more uh feathers ruffled this week i think and just sort of like uh the relentlessness of it has sort of so here's the here are the two things uh, here are the two things i i would like to no longer hear and if you're a parent uh or you are somebody who just wants to be nice to me and support me and uh are thinking of saying there are these things i'm gonna go ahead and tell you that it's not a helpful thing to say but uh <laughs> i understand your spirit number one is that it gets better great that's great uh okay thanks uh, i guess like <laughs> cool that's what something you say to a kid who's getting bullied in high school so that kid still has to go to high school i don't know what you want me to do with that information that it gets better i get it i get it you see me frustrated you see me uh sleep deprived you see me angry you see me sad and you want to assure me that the raising of a child uh, is easier uh later on than it is three weeks in first of all uh i assume <laughs> it gets easier than having to fucking feed him every two hours and he can't control his own head. I assume it gets a little easier from there. Just, you know, under no circumstances am I under the impression that the next 20 years of my life, I am never to be further than a foot and a half away from him. But thank you. Uh, I get it. You're trying to reassure me that I need to have patience. Um, but the message has been received. The other one, Jake, is basically the exact opposite advice, frankly. Which is telling me to cherish these moments. Uh, Cherish it. I feel that one would bother me a lot. Cherish it, they say. Um, Cherish it. Cherish it. Which is, I get it, right? The the parent that says this to you is the parent that has a two to eight year old, right? They have rate. Their kid is now firmly, you know, their past baby, and they're not at uh, adolescent that you can that you can talk to like an adult. They're in the middle there where the kid is just like you're just like. Oh, every day one of us hates the other one sort of thing, right? It's just sort of like <laughs> our good days means that there was like – it was a 50-50 split between aggravation and, and love, right? I get it. Um, they, they, tell us, they tell you to cherish the moments. They tell you – they say cherish this time before the baby can move and before the baby can talk. And, and when it's just a little cuddly little baby that sleeps uh, in your arms all the time. And to you, I would say – I think you've forgotten what it's like to have a three-week-old baby. I think, <laughs> I think you're completely out to lunch uh, onto what I'm cherishing about this time. Uh, it's wonderful, obviously. There are obviously wonderful things. Many wonderful, tear-jerking, emotional, great things happen. Um, but there's also a lot of like extremely difficult to deal with things and massive changes in our home and our hormones and brains and the way we sleep and the way we eat and the way we function. Um, so, like, maybe three weeks in is not the time to tell me to cherish this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. 
maybe maybe three months in when he can support his own head or when he's like past a bunch of the like oh he might die for no reason sort of checkpoints maybe then you can give me the old this is the best time of the life uh speech but uh, i think it's a good lesson i think it's a lesson that i didn't learn for a long time actually until i met uh my wife who is immunocompromised and uh sometimes unwell and she sort of taught me like it's not helpful to be like oh you'll feel fine soon right or like it could be worse it's like sure but like that's not useful in the moment and it really bothered her and i was always the kind of person to try and not tell people to like look on the bright side but to try and like find the advice to help kind of thing and it was like and then right because you want to be like, useful you want to be useful right, you want to be exactly. you want to be i understand the heart of both of these statements i just don't want to hear either either of them that's, again for a and long that's time. it and that's what i that's kind of what i mean i think that's the thing to learn it's not that you saying those things makes you bad but it's that you saying those things makes you unhelpful. Yeah. And that being unhelpful in that moment is, again, not bad, but potentially harmful in a way yeah. to the people you're trying to comfort, which I understand. That and stop bringing me dessert. I don't need any more dessert. <laughs> people love to bring food, eh? I, I don't mind them bringing food because it, it is hard. It is, it is truly hard to find the time to prepare food. Just dessert. Uh, just enough. Dessert. Just, dessert is like... I can't, I can't eat dessert all day. It's just not feasible. Just, I don't, <laughs> I'm old enough to know that I don't feel good if I eat dessert all day. You know what I mean? It's not, right. it's not even like a stealing, as, I no longer have the childish rush of like, oh, I'm eating dessert all day, right? Like I'm going to eat cookies. And it's like, no, I'll feel really bad if I do that physically because it's not good for my body. <laughs> it's like I can't just pound sugar with every meal. It's not how it works on a adult body. It's not a good thing to do. <laughs> But again, it comes from a place of love. Yeah, of course it does. And like, a, but again, a lot of the time, it comes from a place of love. Well, sometimes the people just like went to the grocery store before they came over. It's like that's true. You but know, again, the eight, the eight dollar love. cookies didn't uh, doesn't increase your standing in the household. Any? <laughs> it does, just because it comes from a place of love doesn't mean it's like helpful. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's this week's parenthood update. Everything's going great. <laughs> uh, Baby's doing hey, well. That's good. Getting, he's getting a chubby, which is all you can really ask for. Speaking of growing into things, uh, I don't know if that's a good segue or not, but uh, our Toronto Blue Jays growing out of not hitting and winning and growing into not hitting and losing in the last week. Lots to dig into. <laughs> uh, no longer able to fly the we didn't lose a series all year banner. Did avoid the sweep. But that still is in play, but losses. In a series against New York and against the Cleveland Guardians, we're going to go through it, talk about uh, our deepest fears and greatest hopes in just a moment. Uh, Jake, a tough a tough week for our Blue Jays. I think uh, I'm going to guess that we are going to be the level-headed two here, which is a role that I think almost media plays too much. I think I I, I don't know if it's just Toronto, but I think people um, – nobody wants to be like Stephen A. Smith in, in Toronto baseball media. There's nobody out there that – other than like Marty York, right? And he's like a clown. So right. <laughs> he'll be like the cheap Jays, got no hitting or something like – you know what I mean? He's like not willing to do that. But – um. I'm not going to poo-poo anybody that wants to, uh, not panic, but 
you know, I, I, I'm of the believer that, like, you should be allowed to melt down about the team once a month. And if you wanted to use your May meltdown on the past week of games, uh, I would allow you to do that. Um, yeah, losses to New York, um, frustrating losses to New York. Manoa pitched great twice this week, and, and they didn't win either game, um, which is infuriating a little bit. Um, some signs of some breakouts. Looks like Bo Bichette had a, had a multi-hit game basically all week long. Teoscar Hernandez back into the lineup. Maybe some gulp moments from Jose Barrios, who didn't get a single piece of solid soft contact <laughs> once all week long. <laughs> but a step forward from Kikuchi. So a bit of a melange of things going on in both the rotation and in the lineup. What catches your eye, Jake, when you think back to the last, let's say, six days of Blue Jays action? I'm going to be honest. This feels, and maybe not a great thing to say, on a show about the Blue Jays. But, I and to your point... You have a knack for that sometimes. I do, it's true. <laughs> to, your, to your point, I do agree with you that, like, if there was an early week in the season to have your freakout meltdown... I think this week makes. I'm not. I'm not going to say this is the right week, but I can see it. That's what yeah, I'm I, I think my my like. I'll let you do your piece here, but my sort of thing about if you, if this was your week to freak out, I'm just like I don't really know what your suggestion to improve is. It's just like I right, guess they the, the good hitters need to hit. It's like well, yeah, that's exactly it. That's and why I I'm think, telling you not to panic. The same reason you would panic. And what I was going to say is, to me, this feel felt very much like the first week of May in baseball. Right. Where, like, it's, it, it's, it's not, it, I, I hate the it's too early thing because I, and I know I say it all the time, but, like, I do understand that that can matter later in the season. We just saw it happen last year. But also, like, it's so early. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you, I'm not sitting here believing that, the good players are not going to be good for the next six months. And, you know, I, I, I think if, if you wanted to really freak out about something, I think you would start with the pitching before the hitting. Interesting. Because I think we all have faith in our heart of hearts that like, the good hitters on the Blue Jays are going to be fine. Yeah, I I certainly do. I I don't the, think there's the a lot first of four. Have... I have I have basically no concern about. Right, and that includes Bichette. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's really, you know, Lourdes is going to be exactly who he is every year. Yeah, and Matt Chapman is also going to be who he has been for the last few years, and Alejandro Kirk is a catcher, and if you get anything from the plate from him. That's a bonus. Same with Danny Jansen. I was having this conversation with our good friend Matt Ross over the weekend about the catchers. And specifically, we were talking about Moreno and how everyone seems to be... The uh, the Blue Jays internet hype train on Moreno is treating him like he's a Vlad. That's what we do. And I would like to caution you to, to not. Because I, I'm, I think he's going to be very good. This is not at all an indictment of Gabriel Moreno. But he is a catcher. And the best offensive seasons for catchers, it's like, you know, you hit 25 home runs and you're like, you're an all-star. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of guys that are, that are like well above major league average. Right, exactly. And I think we need to extend that to Kirk. 
uh, and to Jansen, frankly. And a guy like Kirk is, we've seen huge defensive adjustment and improvement this season. You know, at the start of the season, people were saying he couldn't do it behind the plate defensively at all. And he's been quite good this year. And learning that takes a toll on other aspects of your game. And you look at his frame, and you look at the fact that he's crouched in a fucking position like that all the time, and his legs are probably... And, and if he's putting the work into his defensive game, it appears that he is, which is a good thing I need to highlight, it makes sense that his offensive game... That he only has one home run, I guess is my point. Right. And it takes catchers time to get both sides of their game, and many don't. Many, many, most... Most majority of catchers are one or the other. Yeah, I agree with you. To sort of further your point, if you were to sort all American League catchers by WRC Plus who have more than 50 plate appearances, uh, Zach Collins is second and Alejandro Kirk is fourth. So, right. like, offense from the catching position, and you add in, if you add in the, the two great games that, that Jano had, offense from the catchers is not the problem with the team right now. No. But I feel like people have an expectation that Kirk and Jansen, I suppose, are like not saying they should be hitting in the top half of the line, but I think people are thinking they're part of this like elite offense. They're just not bad catchers. Which yeah. which is a luxury. To have two uh, of them is a, to have two of them, arguably three if you want to count Collins, is amazing. Yeah, Espinal almost doesn't help this because it's like he's right. Yes, totally. so far above his like head in terms of what you expect from him in in, in um, performance that you're like, oh, everybody should be able to do what Espinal is doing and just play well above what we expected of them. And it's, it's sort the Blue of Jays' not... offense. That's what we. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. I think th- that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. Like Espinal here, he's first in WAR among position players, 130 WRC plus. Crazy. Ninety seventh percentile, and now it's above average. Like he's crazy. He's at 80, 89th percentile exit velocity. He's been their second best player, basically. Yeah, like and, his and his baseball savant, right there with Fled. His baseball savant numbers, other than the walks, are insane. Frankly, they are yeah. not different than like Freddie Freeman's page. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And like that's honest. Like, hey, we have been pro Santiago Espinal on this show for a long time. You don't have to sell me on him. But I think you're right in that the development in the minors of Vlad and Bo, uh, and I guess you could say Kirk in a way. Sure, he uh, got called up at 20. I mean, that's not yeah. nothing. The, the minors development of Vlad and, Bl- Vl- Vlad and Bo and the sort of fines, I guess, of... Kirk and Manoa and Espinal. I fear the. I fear Jay's fandom is getting to a place where Raptors fandom is, where like everything must go perfectly in development at all times, and if it's not, it's like panic mode. Sure, I, I think Biggio was sort of was a recip- we see a recent recipient yeah. of that, where and listen. It's fair to expect him to be a player that is capable of holding down a major league job. I'm not yes, saying that. absolutely. Like he's been, we thought last year was the was the bottom, and he was even worse than that in his very limited time this year. So, um, not saying that people are being harder on him than he's deserved. It's just sort of you sort of see the how quickly it goes from like wow, and they develop Biggio, this guy with an elite 
plate eye and 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 twenty home run pop. That's they can't miss. Was sort of the is sort of the idea. And yes, you, exactly. You can, you can easily miss with baseball prospects. It's like the most common thing in the world. And also like. I think it's extending to sort of the feel of the team in general and this heightened anxiety on May 9th. And again, yeah. that's what comes with building a contending team. Because like, if there weren't expectations for this team to be good, no one would be having anxiety on May 9th. So it's a, it's, it comes with the territory, I guess. And they are, they're what, 10 and three in one run, in one run games right now. Yeah. And Boy, their schedule is, and their schedule has been very tough. They haven't had a bunch of key guys, as we've said week after week. It was a short spring, which I feel like nobody is talking about in regards to anything. Which, like, it, that, I'm not here to, I've never been a, I'm not going to be a spring training should be longer guy. Yeah. But, like, I think it makes a difference. And guys get, even like Tay Oscar was saying this week when he was coming, when he was in Dunedin getting some reps before joining the team. Like, he admitted, he's like, I'm not there yet now. Because I was hurt, and there's a short spring, and he's just not in his timing's not fully there. And hitting a baseball in the major leagues is really fucking hard to do, and you need your timing to be there. And so, I don't know. I think, I guess I would say that if you are, I would say if you are panicking, calm down. If you are getting worried, I understand, but I think there is are as there are as many reasons to be worried about the team as there are to not. Um. Yeah, I would almost say there are more to not than there are. Again, because I, I I don't know other, other than telling the best hitters to hit with runners in scoring position. Like, th- it's pretty clear that 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 the problem is like, oh, with runners in scoring position, they're just not getting clutch hits, and it's like, get clutch hits is not really an adjustment. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> yeah. really an adjustment. Like, you, they're sort of if, if everything else is going right, but that, which in general it almost sort of is. Um, I think you're set up in a great spot. It's a miracle that they are 17 and 13 and 10 and 3 in one-run games. You, you you don't have to look like very deep into this team's history to see uh, how easily that 17 and 13 could be 15 and 15 uh, could be 13 and 17. And we're sitting here going, oh my god, the bullpen can't like like last year alone they had they had no bullpen and they were troublesome defensively in running the bases and they cost themselves a bunch of outs and they would have lost a bunch of these games uh, this year. The revamp, the revamp bullpen, like the good pitchers they've added to this bullpen, Romano alone, but um, we've had some big games from Simber, some big outs from Garcia, some big outs from Richards, from Phelps, uh, from Meza. There have been two handfuls of games uh, that they've managed to squeak out because they're more well-built, that they, they, they take extra bases, they steal bases, they defend well, and they have a good bullpen. Um that sort of ensures you against some of the problems that you see bad teams have. Where And we saw this team have when they were not as skilled and when some of the key players were a little bit younger and, and, and still growing was, was sort of giving away games. They haven't given away a ton of games. They just haven't had the timely hits. So, yeah, I, I sort of go back to that of, of, like, other than get clutch hits, there's not – it's not an easy, like – there's no like oh they gotta they gotta go add a guy that does this then they gotta go add a guy that does that like they have a lot of the things you need uh they just need sort of everything to work at the same time and i i maintain steadfastly and i hate to be you know you're supposed to come in here guns a blazing uh i hate to sort of be that and say that, that reduce it to that level of simplicity but you just, you just gotta get the hits and, and when they get the hits they get the wins so um it just sort of falls into that to me is you, you sort of can't 
look at it and just say, just get clutch hits because they've sort of assembled every other, every other part of this. Yeah, and I think that, you know, last year there is a sort of narrative through line offensively that they couldn't score hit with running in scoring position and they couldn't win the close games. And then in like July, August, that just sort of fixed itself. And I just don't see any reason to, at this point in time, I don't see any reason to believe that that's not going to happen again. And I don't know if that's going to take, you know, playing some bad teams or what, but I just, I haven't seen anything from, I haven't seen anything to make me think that, you know, we're... We're in real trouble here, I guess. Uh, the Blue Jays are, hilariously, uh, third in the East. It's just sort of, <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> it's one of those things where, despite everything we just said, it also feels uh, like I'm going crazy. To just play. I guess they're just always going to be third in the East. I guess that's just like, the best you can hope for is that the fourth, they don't end up fourth. That's what, I guess that's what the world is telling us. <laughs> it's a, is that when everything's going right and we come on here and we say, man, this team, is they, they figured it out. They built the best team they could possibly build. It's like, oh, they're going to be third in the East. It's just sort of like God will only allow that to be the way it happens. The, the Rays will be doing it without you paying attention, which they have done this year. I couldn't, you know, they, oh, they have Wander Franco. Great. That's That seems great. And the Yankees, despite everything you think of when you play them, uh, are 20 and 8 on top of the division. What a world. Um, At least this year, the third in the East is quite yes. probably a playoff team yes third in the east but but comfortably i believe uh sixth in the american league so um yes that's right one two three four five six yeah the astros and the angels in the west and behind the twins in the central so they would be they'd be there uh which is nice which is also uh, i promised this before the year started not what they're gunning for we're not gunning for six we're gunning for first we're gunning for first and part of the frustration is because of that but um, but again it's 30 it's 30 games in there's 132 more to go and as you have pointed out many many times the team you start with is never the team you end with yeah um and listen this last week luckily luckily the first bad week happened at the same time as maple Leafs playoffs so less people notice i think (laughs) i think that's true Look, and they're never going to make people as mad as the Leafs, so. I can't decide if it's better that the if the Leafs go on a little mini run, like, to the second round to give me another two weeks of, like, watching it in peace. I think so. I think it I is. want them to – if it's better than the dump out because – I think you I want know. them to – I think you want the Leafs to go on a run and distract people while the Jays get it together, and then when everyone comes back on board and they're winning games, it's like, oh, okay, everyone's fine. I guess that's true. You don't need Steve Simmons asking questions right now. <laughs> you don't need that. The voice no. of the common man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy me. Yeah, loving it. Loving it. I've been loving it. Not going to lie to you, Jake. I've been absolutely loving it. Don't need Steve Simmons being like, Vlad, you hit three doubles tonight. Why didn't you hit a home run? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, people were asking, why did they start the guy that they started, the worst defenseman? I know. That's this is what I'm saying. Well, you know, we sort of have a for all the difficulty that the Toronto media gets. I think 
maybe this is I think for the most part, like other than Steve Simmons, a lot of them just sort of play nice. I don't know who the like the I mean the especially modern. I don't know that there's a lot of like you got like Cahal Kelly and Steve Simmons that everybody shits on and rips like them and, and Rosie. Everyone shits on and rips all those people, which deservedly so, because the other thing they write is crap. But like I don't know that the new generation has anybody that like pushes the Stephen A. Smith level. It's interesting interesting Will sort Luke, of Will Lou has his moments. But he's almost like he's not. A, he doesn't go to the presser. Like he's not. A, he's not a right, talk to the true. coach guy. He doesn't interview Nick Nurse other than unless they come on the show, right? That's true. That's very true. Yeah, we could use a Stephen A. <laughs> I think a thing I have grown. I'm very happy that as I have gotten older, I've grown to appreciate Stephen A. Well, you know what, Jake, and this hits me sometimes when I when I take a step back from like the pursuit of a media career is sometimes you will you ever talk to somebody who doesn't care about like being having like a reputation in the media like they that's how they talk about sports people don't right people don't do this thing where like you have to consider this you have to consider the players thoughts you have to consider how your peers like people people don't think that way when they watch sports the vast majority (laughs) the vast majority it's it's people who like and you sort of, I think, social media, Twitter specifically, sort of for this um, little bubble that you live in, is sort of like people that would like read the blogs that we wrote would think that way. But you realize that like there are hundreds of millions of other sports fans, right? There's just sort of like there's this little tiny contingent that we follow and think of that are like, you know, I, I, I will use the Blue Jays broadcast, for example. Is they'll be like, I don't know, I guess people want the Blue Jays broadcast to like read StatCast to them or like teach them things about baseball it's like the vast majority of people just want buck martinez having a good time like it really is what most people actually want and you realize that the hardcore brain obsessed everything about this needs to be said perfectly person is like a very small minority of absolute freaks (laughs) (laughs) to be frank to be frank i have a i have a couple bones to pick about sort of the way that Things and, and you know what's fun is baseball has started to swing back the other way on this. Have you noticed this? That people are like, you know what? We don't need all these fucking stats. It's sort of yes, yeah, he's got, I he's got that, that. It's sort of a fun thing to have been online long enough, and you even see people that were like really involved in the front lines in 2010 now reaching around and being like, actually, you know what? It's, it is it is less fun to do this. It's just like it is to like when here's one here's my here's my big thing of the year so far, Jake. Um, XBA is not real. It's not real. It's not real. Newsflash. The idea of it it didn't happen, so therefore it's it's not not. real. Newsflash. Bobachet steps up, hits a line drive, and the shortstop catches it, and it was hit 110 miles an hour. You don't have to go, oh, man, I had an XBA of 680. It's like, yeah, I knew it it was probably going to be a base hit. I'm not a fucking idiot. (laughs) We're not idiots that, that... Oh, line drive is like, oh, what was the odds that was a base hit? I would say pretty good without the fucking, I don't even think <laughs> fucking 68% of the time that's a base hit. It's like, yeah, I would have guessed that blindly. You know where I turned on XBA? Guy drops a pop-up and you go, the, XB on the XBA on that was 0.2. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, I can tell you, I can tell you the exact moment. to not know that. I can tell you the exact moment I turned on XBA. It's not real. It was game three. Of the 2016 ALCS against <laughs> Cleveland, and the Jays had the Jays were down, and they had men on base, and I, th- 
I can't remember if Donaldson was on base and Carrera hit it or vice versa. I think based on where the order is, probably vice versa. Probably Carrera was on base and Donaldson hit it. And whoever was in the outfield for Cleveland, maybe it was Rajay Davis, I forget, made like a great sliding catch on just like a bullet off the bat. And the inning was over. And then obviously they went on to lose a series in five games. And I remember people being like, oh, the XBA on that hit was like 96 or whatever. Yeah. I was like, right, but they're now out of the playoffs. Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. Or you could say nice catch. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Stole a hit there. Yeah. (laughs) No shit. Uh, No shit. I I sort of have – I've sort of changed my sort of vibe on a lot of that because I – listen, there are people that that are able to go on Baseball Savant and – learn some great things and, and process that information and give it to us in a really palatable way. I appreciate that. What I don't think takes any skill is to have StatCast open during the game and to be the first one to tell me the exit velocity and angle. That doesn't take, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't take ability. That doesn't, you didn't do anything. You had the page open. Anybody can do that. I've been in the press box. Anybody can have StatCast open and just say, Oh, he, he touched fucking ninety eight with that. It's like, yeah, we there's a fucking gun on the screen. We know we, we know how fast the pitches are. If, and, and if, like, and if think, anybody and the thing that's the thing for me is like anybody who would care about the, what the statcast numbers are would have statcast open. You don't have to. The, yeah. the audience for that already knows. Nobody is converted. You're not convert anyway. Anyway. And I don't think there. I think there's like some value to it when it's something crazy, like when you pull up someone pulls up that image of like all of the top. If you use rate. it to tell a story, absolutely. Yeah. If you're just telling me every play with the XBA and Oh the- yeah, no, that's insane. That's an insane that's that's someone who doesn't like baseball watching baseball personally. Well, it people use that's it like, to like you know, you know what it is? Here's what it is. The first the first people to watch the game with Statcast open and do what you're saying, every play, are the first people to get mad at a crowd doing the wave and saying they're not watching the game. That's right. That's right, Jake. Talk to him. I also don't like the wave because right. it gets in my way and I would like to watch the game. But you're a fan. How? It's actually exactly. in your way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I understand the anti-wave argument and I agree with it that like there's something important happening and everyone's distracted in a game. Like doing the wave in a close game in September is insane. Don't do that. However, the nerds who do the stat cast stuff get real mad about it, but they're also not watching the game. That's what I would say. They're just waiting for something to happen so they can be like, look at this number. Right. I don't just like the wave. I just like the guy who starts the wave, if that makes sense. Because he has balls? No, because he stands up and goes, everybody want... I don't like that. (laughs) But the actual oh, you like, don't, the wave is... you don't like that guy. Sorry. Yeah, I, you he, did like that I, guy. I dislike that guy. I don't really care about the wave itself. The wave itself coming around and you standing up and going, woo, you're not really the problem. The problem is the guy who starts it. It's not the people who are doing it. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, I feel... Uh, I had to get that off my chest because I think that's dog shit, to be frank with you. I have come to the opinion that... And this is... I don't mean to sound... Uh, like I'm painting with a wide brush here, but maybe we shouldn't have let nerds into sports. Yeah, I just don't think it like, I think people do it to get the impression out there that they think the game at an advanced level, right? That they are. Yeah, that, it's hockey's that they fault. Are, it's, all, it's all the fucking charts fault. 
they're using that to sort of like elevate the level that they see the game at. When I almost feel the exact opposite, I feel like an elevated ability to watch the game is to identify things happening without those aids, frankly. And God, I feel old. You want the old eye test. I think I think it's impressive to be able to spot things naturally. I, yeah. I, I'm all and I'm all for data and I'm all for using that thing. So again, I'm all for using Statcast to tell a bigger story, to to show a complete picture of matching things. You know, use the use Statcast with a visual and show me what is happening. To just go on there every time a home run is hit and give me the exit velocity and angle, or to again ex, a, a ball gets a line drive and the shortstop makes a jumping catch and you go whew. XBA was 860. I was like, yeah, I knew that was going to be a hit a lot of the time. <laughs> and like, I think your point is well um, demonstrated when it comes to how people sort of report on Vlad to, to tie to the Jays in that I don't mind when people tell me Vlad's exit velocity after every hit because to your point, that's part of the larger story about Vlad and how hard he hits a baseball. I don't need it after Matt Chapman hits a home run. Yeah. If that makes sense. Not that one tells less of a story than the other, but it also kind of does. Well, and I've, of, I've also often felt this way about uh, home run exit losses in general. I want it when it's spectacular, right? Right. When the exit velo, when the exit velo was like ninety three, and it went <laughs> and went three hundred and seventy feet, it's like yeah, okay, normal. It's a home run, uh, right? Yeah. If, when if it, if it goes one hundred and seventeen, yeah, that's cool. If it goes four hundred and fifty feet, that's cool. If the home run is 98 miles an hour and it went 370 feet, like, okay, it's just a, it's just a, a home run is what that was then. It was a pretty good yeah. hit that went out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it helps people. I don't know. It doesn't help me. I feel old and curmudgeonly, but um, I think again. we are, we, have, we have to accept we are old and curmudgeonly when it comes to sports now. But I also don't think I noticed it so much. I was watching the Leafs game in a bar this weekend, and like. It's so easy just to get mad at them and be like, ah, fucking Nylander and Tavares. It is fun. fun too. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to have to qualify my statements on being like, yeah, but Nylander has fucking whatever. See, we've lost, we've lost course, Jake, in fandom. fandom. Fandom has now become about being right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Whereas it's supposed to just be like, and this is why I don't besmirch anybody who melted down this week. It's like, yeah, they lost a bunch, and it sucks to watch them lose. And you're watching yeah. the game so that they'll win. Not everybody is watching so that they can have this bigger picture that they've dreamed up about how everything goes and how baseball works confirmed. Some folks tune in because they want to watch the Jays win that night, and that is as far as it goes. They turn the game off and they go to bed. <laughs> it doesn't have to. <laughs> Christ yeah. almighty. Like, but here's the other me, thing. Let me, say, let me be mad at Mitch Marner for not winning the game. Right. Or, or William Nylander, even though he did score twice, he also didn't take a hit in the corner. So, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you listen, you say, I heard you say there, like, it, we're getting old and curmudgeonly. And I almost like, you, are you telling me that, like, that's what kids like? Is the, the kids that are watching are like, there's <laughs> not enough data. Give me the data. I don't feel like that's true either. I feel like I feel like the kids are probably going to be, he's got that dog in him versus, like, Kids I'm don't gonna... like Bo Bichette because he, because he has fucking because of his bat speed or because of his outs above average. <laughs> it's because he has long hair and he swings as hard as he fucking can. And they don't care how thought... hard that is. I had anyway. this thought last week or two weeks ago when we were doing our uh, recording our Jays of Our Lives, uh, which you can find on patreon.com slash less than Jays. Subscribe now. A plug um, from Jake. Wow. There you go. Uh, I'm like just quoting old stats of guys who I followed when I was a kid. Rocks. And like 
it was all just like, ah, home runs and RBIs, baby. Who gives a shit? If he had a lot of doubles, you mentioned the doubles. Yeah. How hard is that? Read read the sports section and just look at the look at the stats that were in there. Anyway. God, we're so old. Again, I don't know that the young people are the ones leading this fucking. We need to, we need to strip this of all the fun it could possibly have. And again, I mean, they're not. It's just the people who are on the internet in 2014. Also, people that that's their idea of fun and good for them. Yeah, I guess that's true. Good for them. Not for me. No, thank you. We move forward into the mailbag. Let's talk to some of those people. People who think like us and are smart like us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> In the mailbag, around the corner. Actually, got a little, got a little squirrely there. But I got a little, you got a little out of control. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing it right, and the the, the cause of that is uh, less success. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like I need to make it big in the industry to show people that there's an honest way to do it. You know what I mean? You know what the best way for you to make it big and show everybody it would be? Time machine. It'd be for everybody to. Subscribe to our Patreon and pay us money and make us big for this. <laughs> True. Then we know how to change a goddamn thing, Jack. <sighs> anyway, uh, we go to the voicemail. I think the sweaty guy has called us one more time. Yes. Hey, guys. Sweaty guy here. Feeling pretty bone dry these days. Uh, just wanted to ask you, uh, who's in your all-time Blue Jays uh, starting rotation? Five guys. That's it. All right, thanks. Take it easy. Bye. Five guys, your Blue Jays guys. dream. Five guys, burgers and fries. Uh, you had five, have you just five guys in the city? Five guys. Yeah, you know, I've guys. never had it. Huh. There is, it's, there it's, is it's, one downtown, but I've never had it's, it. It's a big old hamburger. I don't remember even what it was like. It's one of those ones. Yeah, I feel it's like the pre, pre-craft burgers becoming a thing. Well, you know what? It's one of those things, Jake, and this is, this is sort of the problem <laughs> I have with Harvey's. It's sort of the problem I have with Harvey's, right? Is like the idea that I can make the burger however I want, to me, almost runs counter to what I want from a fast food hamburger, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They're two di- In my book, they're two different foodstuffs. Right? Oh, you can have it however you want. I say, oh, like I want it the way that the restaurant makes it the best. A burger from Auntie Lucy's, which is my favorite burger in Toronto is a completely different food item and experience than a burger from McDonald's. Right. And they're supposed to be. Yes, 100%. Burgers. I have the same thing with, there's a great sandwich place uh, here in Kitchener, Vincenzo's, that is in like an Italian, uh, it's an Italian grocery store and, and it has one of those deli counters, right? And anybody that lives here will tell you about it because it's like the one of like two foods in the entire city that people know is above average. Um, oh, you gotta go to Vincenzo's with the yada yada. But but like there is no sandwiches, right? You have they have ingredients. It's up to you to make a vin- good Vincenzo's sandwich. You can do it wrong. You can go there and have a bad sandwich because you're not a fucking chef de maison. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Of course. 
happened to my wife. She didn't realize that it wasn't like option one, option two. Option, she, had, she had fucking turkey on brown bread <laughs> with lettuce and mayo. I was like, honey, that's not – I apologize, but holy, uh, not how it's done to have this special thing. Anyway, all that being said, this question's about uh, the rotation. Your dream Blue Jays rotation, your five guys, your burgers and fries. Um Jake, I think there's some staples. I think I think your rotation almost has to have Roy Halladay in it. There's almost no. Yeah, I think no, unquestionably he's one A. No, like no debate. There's no world where you don't have Roy Halladay in your rotation. Um, I mean, Dave Steve is sort of a, a classic all-time Blue Jay. You, you would be remiss to not have him in there as well. I think I'm going to be honest. I don't care don't, about Dave Steve. You don't care about Dave Steve. You, you, you have no interest in the secret base uh, five-part documentary on YouTube, eh? Not really. He's not one of my guys. I don't care. This is a right. this is my personal preference list. This is not the most important pitchers in Blue Jays history. I understand. Totally I mean, that's true. And you're you are right to do that. You're right to do that. I will just say that, like, you know, most people tell you sort of Dave Steve is the, the team's first great pitcher. But I totally respect yeah, it. And it I think means nothing to you. Totally. That's what I mean. I think that's absolutely a true fact. But it just means nothing to me. Yeah. I respect your hard line on that. I was like three when he was good. I don't yeah. care. So I mean, oh, listen, Howard has Howard is a must. Uh, I'm gonna cheat, not cheat, but I'm gonna say it, Jake. David Price is in my all-time Blue Jays rotation. I don't care. I get it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fall you for it. That first game is one of the most fun. I've, some of the most fun I've ever had watching baseball in my life. You were there. I was. I was as smitten with David Price as I could be with a pitcher. Basically, yeah, it was great. Every time I rewatch uh, the bat flip or the 2015 ALDS on YouTube, which is often, uh, I think it's. I think it's after Encarnacion's home run in Game Five, where he just like smacks the railing in the dugout, and every time I see them, I'm like they should go trade for David Price right now. <laughs> I, I can't even, even. I have I no it. idea where David Price currently is. <laughs> I think he's in. I think he's in LA still, isn't he? Is he playing? Oh, Must that's be. another question. Yeah, <laughs> he's on the he's on the IL. Good, good, good. He's in LA on the IL. He has played pitched. He's pitched two innings this year. Three strikeouts. There you go. And he pitched 39 times last year, 11 starts. How about that? Bullpen. Five Bullpen arm, David Price. That was spring game. training. My mistake. Five yeah. games this year. There you go. Uh, anyway, I have Halliday and Price, uh, my one, two. I don't care what that says about me. I, I love David Price. Um, boy, does I, Marco Estrada weasel his way into this rotation? I think he might. I think he may. Yeah, I think he's in mine. You, you win some playoff. You win some playoff games in front of me as an adult, and that's sort of like <laughs> gets you he's pretty also, far. <laughs> he's also the uh, like one of he's one of my favorite types of pitchers. I've talked this before when we talk about Ryu. I love a guy who throws just like deceptive nonsense. Um, so listen, if we're talking about types of guys you love, I'm going to make room in my rotation. My fourth pitcher is going to be Alan James Burnett. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, fireball. I don't give an f. Alan James Burnett, 2007 Alan James Burnett, to be specific. The guy could, the guy threw, the guy threw a big nasty hook, lots of heat, looked like a real prick on the mound all the time. I love that. <laughs> Halliday, Price, Estrada, Burnett. Those are my, those are my first four. I'm going uh, Halliday, of course, no debate. Uh, I'll take Jimmy Key, number two. He's my guy. He's my favorite pitcher as a kid. Uh, I have a, jer- I have a Jimmy Key jersey. Some drunk fucking idiot in 2015 once yelled at me for having my own name on the back of a jersey when I was wearing it. That's good. Uh, and That's I'm smart. sure he, I'm sure he was at the trucker protest, so it's fine. Um, 
I think I'm putting Estrada in there as well. Yeah. Again, my favorite kind of pitcher. Just deceptive bullshit. Uh, and like game five in the ALCS against KC. One, one of my favorite in-person Blue Jays memories ever. Standing O. Great performance. Uh, th- there's a really damaged part of my brain that wants to say Marcus Stroman because of how he made us feel briefly, but I don't think I can go there. He was very good. What do you want? He was very good, but I, I, I feel like I know enough about Stroman that to not put him on the list. Uh, anyway, my number six, my number five is is Juan Guzman. Come on. Ooh, blue glove. If you didn't love Juan Guzman as, as a yeah. seven year old, I don't know what you were doing. Absolutely true. War number sixty six had had a curly curly mullet, through heat, two point six four ERA in nineteen ninety two. What do you want? I think uh, it's too early to say Alec Manoa. You got, you got, let me just throw out some of the names you could throw in. People that I threw around in my head and didn't pick. Pat Hankin, a classic. Yeah. Guy that was I good love, a bunch I of times Hank, for a bunch of teams. Of course, yeah. He, was, he had the old leave and come back. Yeah. The old one, of, the, one of the most surprising Cy Youngs of all time. Yes. You know who? No, I feel like he might be a dick. I was going to say Billy Koch. I mean, Roger Clemens? Absolutely not. Man, you, he had two of the best. I know. You're not going to find your, better pitcher your, season. Name your kids better. <laughs> You're not going to so, find a better Blue Jays pitcher season. He's a weirdo. Uh, I think if he'd stuck around longer, Ken Giles would have made my list. You're putting closers in your rotation, though. I love closers. Oh, we're right. We're doing rotation, not just pitchers. Okay. That makes this easier. Okay. Halliday, Key, Estrada. Uh, yeah, I'll put Ricky Rowe in there. Sure. Ricky Rowe. And uh, Jay Happ, David Wells. No, definitely not David Wells. Do you like twenty twenty hundred Ryu? I did. I did love Sanchez. You know what? I'm going to go with Ryu just because I also have a jersey. So I might as well pick two of the, two of the three jerseys I have are pitchers. So I'm going to put them both in there. Beautiful. Took some time on that one, but we got it done, baby. Uh, we moved to the mailbag on Twitter. Curtis says it's an off day in New York. Mark Burley was known for taking rookies out and buying them suits. On their off days. Uh, who on this Jays core would you want to spend an off day with in New York? This is one of those ones where I have to alert our listeners that we are no longer in our 20s. <laughs> the idea of hanging out with Bo Bichette for a full day does not have the appeal it would have had 10 years ago. 36 years old, I don't know that he and I would like jam. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we have, like, a, don't think we have a lot in common. Can't imagine him caring what I have to say about fucking anything <laughs> i just want to go for, i just want to go for a nice silent meal with hyunjin ryu so i think it is i think it's ryu um although i look i'll tell you this based on uh his eyes on saturday afternoon <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd say kevin goffin and i could have an okay day in the city <laughs> i don't think you'd say much which maybe is the point walk around looking at stuff eating snacks <laughs> rubbing your eyes be like, I'm tired. Are you tired? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Want to keep eating until we fall asleep? Yes, I do. Okie dokie. <laughs> Good for him. Listen, man, you you have a hard day and then you got to watch a whole second game. You do whatever you need to do to get yourself I feel like we'd relaxed. have a good time. I think we'd have a good time with Springer because we could be like, sure. hey, you don't, you don't have to pretend to be a young yeah. man with us. You can... You can groan when you stand up if you'd like to. <laughs> you don't have to dance even if you don't want to you can My just kind of hang hurt. out <laughs> although i will say they, they have more of a veteran team than they in the recent years right they have they do that's um, true. 
more 30-year-olds than Springer, 32. Um, Springer just really seems like he's trying to fit in at all times, which is adorable, and I love it. But it's very funny to me. Also, don't underrate... I'd say this. Also, don't underrate the, like, guy that nobody recognizes who is secretly rich, right? Sort of the, like... Right. R- like, Ross Stripling, right? You're like, we don't know we'd have a ton of fun, but, like, a guy that could, you could go anywhere and do anything because nobody knows anything about him. And he's also made, like, $10 million in his career. You know what I mean? That's a great point. I the older also I get, the more that appealing that is. A thing that I think needs to be pointed out, though, is you absolutely do not want to go hang out with a pitcher because they're all insane. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, other than Ryu, who like looks like he like hack starts and <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to do anyway. Um, here's one from Graham Clendenning. He asks, uh, "What are your favorite things about Teoscar?" You specifically asked about Teoscar Hernandez. So I did. I just, wanted to talk, I just wanted to talk about Teoscar. I just love him. He's just got he like it's a, you know. I think this goes along nicely with your earlier uh, sort of eye test argument and that like he just gives me good vibes he's always smiling yeah. seems like a good teammate uh he's see it's a dumb cliche but he seems like a guy who has a lot of fucking fun being rich and playing baseball yeah you do a lot and worse I love, and i love it yeah the, you, you could call the seeds thing sort of a precursor to the uh you know the the gente del barrio you could sort of yeah have that as the beginning of sort of them deciding to like really celebrate every home run and and be a tight knit group. I think uh, he's great for sort of the atmosphere and the mood. He's always talking to multiple people. I love to Oscar. Um, and before, I genuinely but... think, on to your point on that, I think that genuinely, and I mean this actually, like not as like a oh I like to Oscar, but like genuinely, I think that's a very important role in the clubhouse because you have your guys like Vlad and Springer who are the unquestioned leaders that everyone's looking to and they set the tone and everything. But you need those guys to, after a bad inning, just go dump a bag of seeds on your head. And I will also say, on a a bigger scale, Teoscar Hernandez is for me sort of what I love about baseball in that he's a guy that a few years ago, three, four years ago, it was like, man, he has all the tools. And the ball, very basically like sort of a little bit of Bradley Zimmer, right? Like the ball explodes off his bat. Um, he's, he has speed that you wouldn't expect. Um, but he just, you know, the, 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 there's a a flaw here and there's a flaw there. It's like, if he could just eliminate some of the outfield problems, if he could just chase a little bit less and you sort of, there's guy after guy, after guy, after guy that doesn't adjust and is out of the league by Oscar's age. And he did it. He like Batista did it. Like Edwin did it. Like a, a lot of these guys do it is. There are so many guys that flush in and out of the league to see, you know, somebody with that package of tools. And again, there are a lot of basically everybody is like has these incredible tools and it's whether or not they can unlock them. He did it. He unlocked it and and got to be an all star and got to be one of the best players in the league. And like it fails so many times in baseball that that player archetype either gives up or tries to change too hard. And like we talked about Aaron Hill a couple years ago, right? We talked about like. In that um, Jays of Our Lives, we were like, he became a power hitter, and then that actually made him a worse overall hitter because he stopped doing the other stuff that he needed to do. Like, Oscar managed to make enough adjustments to become a great player, but not so much that he lost the things that made him special. And I think that's really cool and is part of what I love about baseball. So, to me, Oscar Hernandez is, like, everything about baseball that I love. And, he, and, and as you said, it, it seems like the thing that fuels that improvement and the thing that fuels that 
refinement is just a love for baseball and just loving being at the games and loving his teammates. So um, to me, he's a he's a really meaningful guy. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. I really well said. Uh, Andrew Robertson with a touching one. Now that you've established your established big league big league wife guys, great reading job on my end here. Now that you are established big league wife guys. What advice would you pass on to me, a soon-to-be rookie wife guy? My friend, the two words that you're going to learn <laughs> to say are, yes, dear. Hey, also, I hate my kids. Um, <laughs> Take my wife, please. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the advice is that nothing is going to change. That's my advice. My advice is um, to keep doing what you're doing that's working and keep having fun. Because uh, if, you're in, if you're in a good relationship, in my opinion and you get married outside of your own little mindset your actual relationship isn't going to change that much i would say to you rookie wife guy um remember to set aside time to have i'm not gonna say important conversations but so like so one of the fun parts of flirting with somebody early on is you sort of have those big dreamer conversations, right? Where the mm. person opens up and tells you a bunch of like pie in the sky stuff. Uh, and sort of like check those like, sort of like mental like pictures that you paint talking to each other. And you learn about yourself and the way that you talk to them. Uh, I would say remember to set aside some time so often to, to have those conversations again. Like, hey, what do you not not someone, not not what do you want to do this weekend or what do you want for dinner like hey what do you want like out of life where you know if we were to buy a cottage where would you want to have it where do you want to spend where do you want to go on a vacation one day what's the, what's a dream you have so remember to sort of continue plotting out a destination ahead of you you haven't you, you, there's no accomplishment mm. to marriage you are continuing yeah. to be two people uh, that evolve and grow and your life changes and your tastes change and i think a, a trap you can fall into is um, sort of leaning too heavily on what you just said there, Jake, and sort of be like, well, this is our relationship and this is what it's always going to be. I think um, that can be dangerous. You have to remember that just as you changed in the last five years or however long you've been with your wife, you will change again in the next five years. Um, and it's on you as a husband to make sure now, because you are no longer making conversation and decisions for one, you are making decisions for two or more. You, ha you know, it, now it's not a me, it's a we. Make sure that you're checking in with your partner when you when you are growing, when you feel yourself changing, when you feel your goals changing, when you feel your wants and needs and desires. Make sure that, you know, now that you are a unit, now that you are a partnership, you are talking about these things with, with the person because you don't want to go through this big change mentally and then the other person doesn't really know or, you know, that sort of thing. And I would, my other piece of advice to you would be that, um, own your shit because it's going to come up. So sort of like, yeah. <laughs> uh, own your shit. Be willing to sort of be willing to acknowledge things that you need to change and be better at. Um, and don't keep score. Another one. Another one for me. Sometimes That's you will have one. you will have the urge to be like, well, uh, when I when when she cooks, I do the dishes, and and this time I cooked and she didn't clean up. Just shut the fuck up and do the dishes, man. Like, yeah, it's not, never do never do that. It's just, it's, and, but but like that will be in your head. It just it that will happen to you in your head because that's sort of how your brain works. And just sort of like when you feel yourself doing that, just remind yourself that like you're not you're not competing. You're it, it should make you, you, you it's almost like when you had that thought. Remember to actually also think the opposite and be like you know what it'd be really nice if I cleaned up too. 
right? Like, that would be right. good of me. I would be, a, that would be nice for me to do that. I would be a good person. And I want to do that because I love my wife. I think remember to be that every, every time you have one of those thoughts that like you're feeling particularly selfish or you're feeling particularly grumpy and you sort of feel inward, remember to almost counter that by going the opposite way as far as you can and, and give when you, when you feel like you deserve to take, try giving, I think is sort of the advice that I would give. I that's great advice. I would also say that sort of on your note of like of the conversations, remember to also do like I don't want to say like random fun crap, but like For sure. The best way I can the best way I can describe it is remember to like on a Sunday like you used to when you started dating, still go for like brunch or still right. go for beers on like a Thursday. Just like yeah. keep keep again, I don't want to say keep relationship the same cuz I do agree with you in what you were saying in that, but like Keep doing fun shit, I guess, is my point. Don't just be like, we're married. Yeah, never underestimate the value of a small thing to look forward to. Yes, that's a much better way to phrase it. So there you go. Save that motherfucker, eh, Jake? Save that whole show right there, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. It's Wasn't fine. that a nice little sandwich that we put together there where it was like... Look, we started I, great. Then we started strong and ended strong, and that's all anyone's gonna remember. That's all anyone's gonna remember. And then they might remember that I fucking lost my mind about Statcast there for five minutes in the middle. The thing is, though, you're not wrong, so it's fine. I think when other, sort of nailed lose, the, when other people lose their mind, it's bad. When we do it, we're right. I think we nailed the ethos of the entire show in this episode. I'm not going to lie to you. Hey, we've been doing it for long enough now. So We also had a five-minute pause in the middle where the tech fucked up. So we hit for the cycle on this motherfucker. Uh, all that's left to do is go to the end of the show. Where, be honest, we haven't really figured this part of the show out yet, to be frank with you. Have we, no, Jake? We, no, not really. We sort of had this one thing, and we're sort of beholden to it, but I don't know that it's working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we're just wrong a lot. That too. That too. We're not bold prediction guys. But in the face of that, we are right back <laughs> to make a bold prediction. Jake, it's the end of the show, and for now, what we do at the end of the show, until we have a better idea, which we might come up with one day, we could have a better idea than this. I don't know. I'm sure we could have a better idea than this. I don't know what it is, but we could have one. Um, now we did. Now we disperse the heartfelt life stuff throughout the episode. It's almost at the front where it used to be at the back. You know what I mean? It's just all like you know, we we bring it all together in a neat little package, is what we do. Yeah, and then we tack on this thing at the end where we don't. Yeah, because we feel like we need an ending segment is really, if we're being honest, that's what it is. If we're being honest, we had an ending segment that we no longer do. Anyway. And we don't know what to put, put in this place. <laughs> do you have anything prepared for, the, for this time? No, I think that might be why it's not working. Yeah, we right? We both, we both come into this being like, oh shit, we got to come up with a big take yeah. again. And we wing it and then we either couch it, something half-assed, or we... Pick something way too big that's almost impossible to track, right? Last week I was almost entirely incorrect, almost Honestly, over, almost over five. I'm not even I'm not even remembering what my pick was last week. I don't know what you said last week either. Nobody listens to this part of the show. I hope not because they're hearing this, so that can't be good. So Jake, I guess I will I will throw it to you. Um, do you have any unqualified life advice following our great husband segment? Do you have any unqualified life advice from the week that you learned? Um, actually. Yes, there we and go. this does tie into uh, the sort of advice for from wife guys. Uh, 
I mean, my wife is sitting close to me, so she might look at me and be like, absolutely fucking not, you're wrong. But uh, this weekend, I was extremely hungover on Saturday. She's nodding. Uh, and my wife, as I said, decided to do all the work in the yard, fix up the yard. And uh, in past times uh, in my relationship with my wife and just in my brain in general, just like sitting on the couch like a lazy asshole and watching sports while she does work makes me feel terrible and guilty. And this time I was like, you know what? No, I actually think this is lovely that she's like raring to go yes. and wants to do some work. And it's okay that I'm too hungover and tired to help. And this, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, we're not the Bundys here. I'm like, Peg, do the work. But like, I think she's going to give me a better way to phrase this. I didn't want your help. Oh, she didn't want my help. So I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, it's okay for you to not be wanted. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, it's almost impossible for her to not phrase it better than you did. But uh... <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say, I think. I, I, yeah, I no, think so. Yeah, you know, here's what happened. <laughs> I had a, a nice thing planned out in my head, and then as I started speaking, I was like, oh, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Got this just kind of sounds dumb. Yeah. Uh, so what I leave you with this week... Uh, is not much. <laughs> um, my unqualified advice this week. Um, I will say, put together some patio furniture. Um, gave mm. a Mother's Day gift for the first time. Uh, I think similar to what I echoed at the end of the last caller there, the last messages. Um, those little things. I think you sort of similar. Those little things can add up. It's it's it, 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 you get a little frustrated and you're working and you're sweating and you're. Saturday is gone and then you have a nice little patio set and you have your wife comes out and puts the footstool out and gets the cushions all nice and a nice new rug outside and you get to take a breath and, and soak it all in. Um, those little moments, they mean a whole lot and it can it can really be uh, a lot of meaning out of some very small gestures, which I think is sort of the theme of the episode here. Well, the back half, at least. The first half, I don't know what that was about. but Yeah, um, and, uh, always remember wise words of advice, which is uh, send your wife out in the yard. Mm. Let her do work. <laughs> yeah. Well, though mine was the exact opposite, whereas I went out in the yard. <laughs> right. Well, then send, it doesn't matter if it's your wife. Send I one think of the, the spou- moral is... One of the spouses should be thrown out into the yard to do Somebody work should be in the yard life. every weekend. Yeah. 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 I think that's the advice. Our joint unqualified advice this week is somebody should be outside. <laughs> it's up to you and your loved ones to figure out who that person is perfect absolute bow on this motherfucker that is another episode of less than jays if you want more for some reason if you are sitting there and saying that wasn't enough uh i need more of whatever the hell that was um you know where to find it patreon.com slash less than jays extra episodes jays of our lives uh another mailbag coming your way soon can't have to put that you out get more if, if you sign up for the patreon if you heard this episode and you were like oh is there more Yes. You can hear more questions. I, I, my extended rant about my family uh, and the words cherish it early in the early part of this show. <laughs> all kinds of great stuff behind the paywall. Patreon.com slash less than Jays. Extra episodes, extra show, extra length. Three different levels to pick from, including one that doesn't get you anything. That's got to be feel pretty good. Uh, all that and more. Patreon.com slash less than Jays. We will talk to you next week right here on the show. Yeah.